Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1355, (laughs) entitled Wearing More Than One What, because what is also hat, if you look at it. Ah. Our podcast title is The Tomorrow Pod. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And what you heard there was the Zero G theme wrapped and enfolded in the music of Takeshi Furukawa, who gave us Poppy's theme and the Mythic Quest main title theme right there and then from the MQ television Mm. series, Mythic Quest. Still can't believe that there's not actually a game. I know. What's wrong with people? (laughs) I think they've heavily borrowed. So I think there's elements of a lot of games in there in those ideas. But, yes, I'd play Mythic Quest. And Megan put me on to the Mythic Quest television series, which was on Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus. And I've been watching more episodes, and it's a hoot. The episode I just watched was number four from the first season. And it's basically set in a gaming company development headquarters and that particular episode, they found out that their their main streamer reviewer, mm. <laughs> I can't say his name without laughing, <laughs> Pooty Shoe. <laughs> he's 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 been bought off by another company to go and review for them. So all of the uh, the management staff go off to a, a convention, StreamerCon, to try mm-hmm. and find another person. And it's a really good episode, I think, uh, about women in a tech workplace. Mm-hmm. And it's. So cutting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very frustrating in the way that it, it, it gets you to feel exactly how it wants you to feel and go, oh, that's not on, but also while having a bit of a laugh as well. So I think it's a, it's actually quite a nice way it tackles some of these pretty big important themes, mm. to be honest. So I'm switching to Mythic Quest after having happily finished the Smigadoon sitcom mm-hmm. musical satire show, which I've been watching, and um, – and that landed fairly well in its final episode, I thought. A little slight nice. spoiler there. Uh, they do go for a, an upbeat ending, which I needed in this nice. difficult, challenging time that we're living in. <laughs> and Although I felt it might have been a little bit flat compared to some of the other highly entertaining musical satires that they've been running in the previous episodes, mm-hmm. I think they earned it. Mm. You know? well, that's important too. Yeah, yeah. we got building the emotion, getting you invested. I think that's just as important as the good musical numbers. Mm. Oh, they had those too. And particularly when one of the stars who normally didn't sing finally got his number. Oh. You know, so we thought, oh, yeah, that'll, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're looking at the Tomorrow War, uh, which is an Amazon Prime movie. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those films that got smashed up by the (laughs) pandemic and and Amazon went out and bought the the rights to the film. 200 million. 
Mm, a tidy sum. Mm. I guess they were, I don't know, actually, I don't even know if that's a lot or not a lot in these, in the, the realm of buying up rights. But yeah, Amazon wanted its grubby mitts on it for release on the platform. And so it, it was released on Amazon Prime instead of the cinema release that it was going to get from Paramount. It got a pretty big release on the streamer, probably enough to pay for um, mm. <laughs> Jeff's uh, space flight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's he's uh, strapped for cash for his personal projects. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, look, you'll all you'll all laugh on the other side of your faces if it's the billionaires who save the Earth from an incoming asteroid by jumping in front of it. That'd be great. <laughs> No, I think it's like they'll get cosmic powers or something in space and become mm. the fantastic four playboy billionaire in <laughs> entrepreneur. God, they'd love that, wouldn't they? You're really <laughs> playing right into their dreams there, Rob. Hey, I've got aspirations too. <laughs> <laughs> Rather you than Jeff, let's say that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So to The Tomorrow War, it's directed by Chris McKay. Uh, a.k.a. Chris Taylor, who is one of those Renaissance filmmakers. Uh, He's from the US and he's a television director, film director, writer, producer, editor, animator and viz FX artist. And his career arc reminds me of similar animating FX artists and so on, gone on to become directors like Joe Johnston, uh, the brothers Strauss, and and actually the – the Tomorrow War reminds me a bit of the Strauss Brothers Skyline Alien Invasion uh-huh. trilogy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, this sort of career arc is a logical progression. The individual artist becomes an art department head, uh, co-director of, of a film, and then director. Mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, particularly in the climate of special effects, heavy films, yeah. you know, if you can encompass that and also be a good people manager, <laughs> Very important. That's, I mean, that's the job, right? Yeah. McKay worked as um, a co-director on, on animation on the Lego movie, mm-hmm. and, and he came over to here, to Oz, to um, supervise all of those technical aspects of it. His first feature film was the Lego Batman movie in 2017. Oh, we loved that one. We universally acknowledged as the finest Batman movie ever made, I think. <laughs> He also did Titan Maximum on the Cartoon Network, which is a hoot, uh, mm. and Robot Chicken, and oh. something called um, Moral Orel, which I think is or Moral Oral, actually, probably that <laughs> Moral Oral. Yeah, it's some kind of um, send up of fundamentalist religious uh, things. Right. I don't okay. know exactly sure what it is. Um, so he's he's also attached to uh, direct Nightwing, which is like a DC mm. universe. Batman sidekick type thing, and mm-hmm. he was also on a list I saw for um, uh, doing an adaptation of Johnny Quest, which is a beloved 1960s television cartoon mm-hmm. series. Uh, the writer for this is Zach Dean and mm-hmm. another U.S. American, and there's a, a story about how he was on a, uh, a flight to New York when he and the other passengers were told that the plane's landing gear wasn't operational. And so they're circling, trying to figure oh it God. all out. And so he's had a lot of time to contemplate his Ooh. own sort of life. And so he decided to write a screenplay about family, as you do. Oh, your favourite, Rob. <laughs> and that, that became a film called Deadfall, of course. Okay. 
and that's actually a crime drama, so I'm not really interested in it as such here. But he went on to write a, uh, a science fiction thriller called 24 Hours to Live, which had Ethan huh. Hawke starring in it. And it's mm-hmm. exactly what mm-hmm. you would expect from that title. Um, an assassin uh, is mortally wounded and he's resurrected with a technology that will keep him alive for 24 hours. You know. oh, off he goes on his rampaging riot of revenge. Oh, good revenge film. Okay. Yeah, but it's one of those concept sort of movies. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in the concept of this movie is in mm. December 2022. Gosh, mm-hmm. that's hard to contemplate from here, isn't it? <laughs> there is a biology teacher called Dan Forrester. He mm. misses out on getting a job at a at a university research centre. Actually, it might be just a research centre. And he's watching television, kicking back with his fam, you know. They're not a broken family. No. So we can tick that trope off, although, although there's drama here. Although they will be broken. Yes, true, <laughs> true. Sort of. <laughs> so they're watching the World Cup. And in the middle of the World Cup, a time travel portal opens Uh and soldiers from the future come marching through saying, we need you, mankind of Uh the 21st century, early 21st century, because in the future, in 2048, aliens will arrive on Earth and start destroying the place and also doing their own rampaging riot of revenge, perhaps. These aliens are referred to as the white spikes because they've got crusty growths on them that are white. And they're really, really dangerous. They're like the the creatures in a quiet place. Mm, mm. No, only actually maybe vicious. they're maybe they're their bosses. Actually the quiet place creatures are pretty vicious too. <laughs> these I mean, these ones they hold off I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, they hold off on revealing what the the creature looks like for a long time. So you sort of to imagine, you know, and then but the the creature design, I was like, ooh, wouldn't want to come up against him in a dark alley for sure. They've got like anyway, we won't go too much into it, but yeah. They're fast, they're 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 toothy and they make mm. they make the usual strange alien noises. Yeah, lots of sort of alien saliva and <laughs> viscous fluids flying off them, you know, the usual disgusting mess. So, okay, they're in desperate straits in the future, so they've come back to the past to use the resources of the past, which is mm-hmm. to say the human resources, mm-hmm. to fight these aliens in the future. They are in desperate need of troops. So, of course, rather than just everybody kicking back and saying, pull the other one, Mm. or what's even, you know, like it's a conspiracy. It's Mm. not really happening. More likely, I think, in light of humanity's response to the pandemic at some levels, I'm beginning to wonder whether or not they just say, meh, it's like climate change. It's it's in the future. We're we're not going to worry about it. Good luck to you. The, the movie does seem to assume that we'd mobilise as a global effort to mm. to help with this, and oh, I've been I've been shaken. I, I I'm sceptical, to be honest, that that would be how it'd go. I think you're probably right, Robert. It'd be a bit like it's my own choice not to fight for the future. I'd also be asking them. I'd say, all right, we'll send some soldiers into the future, but give us the absolute cure to the pandemic. You must have that. Mm. Ah. Well, I guess that, yeah. <laughs> but then we wouldn't be able to roll out the cure, would we, Rob? <laughs> no, exactly. All right. So, um, okay, time travel science fiction stories. 
there are very many similar ones in the genre. I'm particularly thinking of John Varley's um, story, which got made into a film called Millennium, I think, uh, which is kind of similar. Um, mm-hmm. They come back from the future to use resources from now to help to bolster their failing in um, uh, the f- failing population in the future. It's a very similar sort of thing. It's not that far removed from like Twelve Monkeys and, and even Terminator. And, yeah. in some ways, uh, or Harlan Ellison's classic story, Demon with a Glass Hand, which is a whole other thing to explore, which we're not going to do here. Anyway, now, Chris Pratt, as I said, he's a biology teacher and mm-hmm. perhaps not the first person you would want to take into the future to fight aliens, except for the fact that he mm. is a former Green Beret first sergeant. <laughs> of course. <laughs> he's he's a humble father teaching science at the local high school, but he's got big guns and also other kind of big guns and can run out and be all military. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And, I mean, I'm fine with it. This is the movie we've been given. This is what they're doing where we've got one dude who fit, ticks all the boxes. And in that way I did find it's it's similar to your old-fashioned action films where Chris is, Chris is the centre of this. I don't think there's a scene he's not in. And we're really just like, he's a good guy. He's not very complex. Um, and we're just meant to follow through the lens of Chris as he waddles through this apocalypse. And that's fine. That's what the movie is. So it's it's Chris Pratt on parade, really. He's not waddling. It's not he's not Andy <laughs> Dwyer anymore on Parks and Recreation. True. Just to re- striding. Just to recap his genre career very quickly, MCU comic relief in the Guardians of the Galaxy team. <laughs> where he's sidekick to a raccoon and he's a velociraptor trainer in the later Jurassic Park movies. Uh, he played the co-worker of um, Wacom Phoenix's character in Spike Jones, Her, in 2013. He's a creepy suspended animation stalker in the space movie Passengers. He's the voice of every brick in the Lego movies where he plays Emmett Brickowski. <laughs> and, and his backstory goes back to when he was working waiting tables, and I love this, at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. <laughs> he was discovered by Ray Dawn Chong, who cast him in the short horror film Cursed Part 3. <laughs> wow, Part 3. Yeah, so Ooh. his John, genre roots go way back to his origin. And now look at him. They're really touting him as like an action dude now. I mean, look, he's he's come a long way from his roots. This role obviously reflects his science fiction chops and also uh, the military stuff that he was doing in Zero Dark Thirty, I think, going back a bit. But anyway, um, that's Chris Pratt. He, he's mm. It's what it says on the tin. He's a Pratt. We, <laughs> we know him. We know what this movie's going to be from looking at the poster. Yeah. But look, I've got to say, he carries this movie. He, mm. he has shoulders broad enough to do that. You buy his performance. Uh, you remember George Clooney did one of these, um, The Peacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a little bit like that. Okay. Yep. He, he works in the role. You know, he just does, he does what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And Yvonne Strahovski, who mm-hmm. was born in New South Wales. Yeah, she's an Australian actress. Plays one of the soldiers in the future. She's got the rank mm-hmm. of colonel. Mm-hmm. And she's also a scientist, another one of these people who do many different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we know her as the voice of Miranda Lawson in the Mass Effect video game series. So not a big stretch there, actually. And mm-hmm. Bat, the voice of Batwoman in Batman Bad Blood, an animated film. And she's also in The Handmaid's Tale, Chark, Dexter, 24, The Astronaut, Nauts, the Astronauts Wives Club, 
and she also appeared in Shane Black's uh, The Predator movie. Mm. She's pretty recognisable, to be honest. I wouldn't have known her name, but I did recognise her face. She plays a very hard-bitten, but not bitten by the aliens, colonel in the future and, you know, Earth's last bastion. And she's a tough one. And Mm. I buy her totally as the character she plays in this. Not a million miles from... Emily Blunt's character in Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I like that. And I like the strong female character vibe without it being too mm. – yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought she did a really nice job. J.K. Simmons is uh, Dan Forrester. That's Chris Pratt's character's estranged father. So Of course. Pre-broken family along the dotted lines. And, mm. and you know he he actually steals the show in a lot in a lot of scenes in this film. He's like a yeah. anti-government survivalist, engineer, Vietnam vet. You know the whole package. It's all there. Yep. We know him as uh, J. Jonah Jameson in Sam Raimi Ray, in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. Plus, he also played J. Jonah in other Spider-Man mm. movies later on, and may yet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also in. Um, uh, the Justice League yeah. movie as Commissioner James Gordon. So he's across DC and Marvel there. Not the only actor to do that, of course. And we've seen him in The Stand, the miniseries, and, um, oh, you know, so many. Good I movies. mean, we know and love JK. He's he's always a delight when he pops up. And he's having fun here, I think, really leaning into that, you know, conspiracy, big beard, kind of a bit, you know, rough and tumble uh, energy. He, he's really loving it. It would be Woody Harrelson playing the role in another yep. film. or Absolutely, or, yeah. Or Tom Waits. <laughs> that kind <laughs> the of The kind of grizzly older man, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple of other people in this as well. Oh, he did, uh, Simmons also did uh, a role on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, just to reverse yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of other people. Sam Richardson plays a draftee who just happens to have a PhD in mm. Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, which is useful. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very convenient film <laughs> that hangs on a lot of impossibilities, but that's okay. And this one I thought was actually, and it's terribly tragic what they've done to this character, and at the same time putting him into this mix tells you exactly what kind of role he's going to play. Edwin Hodge plays Dorian. Now, he's one of the draftees into the future. He's a mm-hmm. seasoned soldier. Remarkably, he survived three tours of duty in the future. Nobody mm-hmm. else has seemed to have been able to manage that. Uh, he's played by, as I said, Edwin Hodge. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen him in the uh, the Purge film series, dystopic oh, okay. sort of science fiction, and he actually survived all three of those films too, so I'm wondering if that's Good on him. <laughs> or at least the early ones. Now, what they've done to him in this, okay, so we've got this veteran soldier, very jaded, uh, probably a bit hinky from being in this horrible situation, but he doesn't care. Because mm. he's dying of cancer. Yes. And, Not really a spoiler, but yes. And, and whenever you hear of a character in a movie like this who's dying of cancer, you know what fate is in store for them. There's somehow, and, and I'm, this is not really, this is not even a spoiler. Somehow you know that they are going to consider themselves expendable. 
yeah. to make yeah. a big heroic sacrifice and people will go, well, that's all right, he was dying anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, look, he plays his role. There's a lot of good – there's so many great action scenes and pace, but a lot of it is at the expense of character development, which they're clearly not putting any resources into. That's fine. That's totally fine by my by – my. they've really made a decision where this is not a character film. It's not an ensemble. It's about Chris and it's about his deal. And, yeah, so you kind of just get these little side characters flitting about. Mm. Okay, so you know that they're going to fight this desperate battle in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at this point we will play a track mm-hmm. to relieve the – actually to heighten the suspense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is from the soundtrack album of The Tomorrow War, which is on Amazon Prime, and it is called Multiply. And it's by Lorne Balf, whose name we've heard before in the context of movie soundtracks and television ones too. And just imagine what the aliens are doing, multiplying. Dafdar, this is Gareth David Lloyd, Yanto Jones from Torchwood. You're listening to Zero G on 3 R FM. Take a seat. I've just put the kettle on. Hmm. I think the aliens were boiling over there, actually, in the kettle. Lorne Balf's score from... The Tomorrow War, the track was Multiply. Now, we last heard Lorne's work on Black Widow. Mm. Mm. So an excellent composer there, I I thought. Mm. Now, we are talking about The Tomorrow War, which is a time travel military movie on Amazon Prime. Chris Pratt is the the poor bastard sent into the future to fight these aliens. Mm -hmm. And the aliens are well depicted, really hyperkinetic. They would give velociraptors a heart attack. Yes, yeah. Lots of movement, lots of leaping on things. And then when there's many of them, it's just like a sea of wiggly feet and Flappy, <laughs> extended limbs. Yeah, teeth, claws, and oh my. And I think that the movie itself, it's full of cliches and tropes amongst yeah. the characters and the plot too. It's so derivative. It's like the thing and aliens and and a little bit like, um, actually a lot like Battle LA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got that whole thing running on in there without the – perhaps without the big-ticket attractions of battleships, which at least had Rihanna in it and battleships. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's kind of three movies in one in a way. Like it starts off and it's this kind of sci-fi survival deserted drop into an area and then we've got like a little group of people and they're just trying to survive and it's all very, you know, flickering lights and dim hallways and then it's you know straight up action we've got these unlikely pair of heroes and you know science yay government yay and then it cuts to the last third which is your more of an adventure the a a little bit alien with a capital a and all of that kind of thing so it's really just sucking in all of the tropes it can and uh yeah churning them out but it's not a bad churn overall when I think about it. It's, I was entertained mm-hmm. and once I start relaxing into it, I thought actually the the procedural was pretty good. You know, they don't pretend that they're – they definitely do not pretend that their time travel has been perfected. It's all an act of desperation. Mm-hmm. There are some entirely believable foobars 
mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the situation. And conveniently, of course, our heroes will survive most of those. You know, and, you and know that. And it always comes down to the efforts of a couple of people, like who all know each other. It's never, you know, this coordinated effort of massive kind of scope. It's always just regular old dad and some of his pals (laughs) sort the situation. Oh, it's Kowalski who saved the day. Who? We haven't even been introduced properly or anything to Kowalski. Who was Kowalski? Sergeant, technical, 5th Brigade. Oh, Okay, if you say so. <laughs> it's not going to be on the poster, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The action figure in the in the set that nobody knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, I think the Skyline trilogy did this kind of thing in a much cooler way, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, it did grab me, and I thought, okay, you've got some moves. I'm all right with this. It it's easy to watch. There is good action here. There's been a bit of thought put into like the set design and the Ooh. kind of whole production design, which I appreciated. The creature design was great. So I did like I think it had a lot of good elements. I mean, it's not memorable. Mm. We'll probably reconvene on this in two months, Rob, and we won't remember any of the plot or much about this film. And that's that's fine. I don't need to remember every film. I don't need to recommend every film. Uh, it's it's not really doing anything interesting or daring with plot or execution, but the same old staples is kind of okay as long as they're selling it, and I think it did sell it. We should change our yeah, nah, maybe rating to okay in a pandemic. Ooh, <laughs> yes, the, the side category. I also thought that um, it had a good sense of place. You know, mm. like when they were fighting in Miami, I thought, yeah, that's Miami. I've seen it in other films. Did Would you have thought that if they hadn't said it, though? No. <laughs> Which I guess is okay. I mean, I'm not that well-versed with Miami either, so. I've seen it in lots of other films with alien invasions. <laughs> <laughs> poor Miami, poor Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so that's the, the Tomorrow War. It's not mm-hmm. it's not the most innovative film on the block out there, but, you know, you'll have some evil fun for a couple of hours and, yeah. Yeah, and if you're a Chris Pratt fan, um, you know, it's it's a real, it's an action vehicle for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All righty, moving along from the Tomorrow War, uh, mm-hmm. we would like to do some television shows, bits and bobs. And I think we'll have a track before we get into all of that first, since we're going to talk about Marvel's What If animated series, the first episode of which has just dropped on Disney+. Plus. We'll play the Captain Carter theme. Uh, This is an epic version by, I always have trouble saying these names, but it's Shadow Strider, and the A in Shadow is replaced with a number four. I have no idea why. It's probably from... (laughs) password url thing you're not fooling anyone but this is the epic version and of course captain carter is captain peggy carter and we'll get into that after this track this is sir derek jacoby zero g or not zero g that is the question ah shadow strider with a four replacing the a's epic version of the captain carter theme from marvel's what if which is a new animated series that's dropped on disney plus the first episode has played and this is so cleverly slotted in between loki and the shang chi legend of the ten mm-hmm. kind of thing. so you know marvel is just like filling all of the space 
Yep, yep. There's no rest for the wicked, which we're fine with. I hadn't realised this was something we'd get at the moment, so it was quite pleased to see. Yeah, definitely no rest for the wicked. I mean, we thought that Loki would be, had been squashed like a cockroach. <laughs> and yet, a whole series. <laughs> yeah. Now, in that respect, actually, what if does tie into the Loki series, which has got lots to do with multiverses and alternate timelines, as mm-hmm. indeed did the last big Avengers double movie. And mm-hmm. so What If is actually riffing off something that's been very well established in Marvel history, which is the what it says on the comic book, What If. So basically it's a, a very, very venerable science fiction tradition, a counterfactual And there are innumerable novels and short stories based upon the idea that if you make one change in history, Mm -hmm. go back and make one little change, that it can can alter the the course of space and time, which is actually a, a plot point of the Marvel multiverse. Yes. So the first episode involves, and these are only little like less than half hour cartoons, but they're very, very tight because of that. Uh, Now, this one involves what if Peggy Carter, who was present at the creation of Captain America, Mm -hmm. she was in the laboratory when Steve Rogers got his injection of super soldier serum and was treated by the the Howard Stark Vita Ray machine. Mm -hmm. What if she had been given those treatments instead of Steve Rogers for reasons which are included in the plot? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she becomes Captain Carter, super soldier. Now, the interesting thing about this is, of course, that Peggy Carter had her own television series, uh, Agent Carter, mm-hmm. two seasons of that, and she also had to fight against sexism in that series too. Mm, yeah. And, of course, there is that problem that she has in World War Two mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the story. So that's an extra subtext which I thought worked quite well. And... Hayley Atwell reprises her voice role as the character, Mm -hmm. and that is a feature of the What If series. There are so many actors in this who are giving it another shot. In this one, we've got Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes, Dominic Cooper, Howard Stark, Stanley Tukey turns up again as Dr. Erskine, Toby Mm -hmm. Jones as Arnim Zola, Uh, Bradley Whitford from The West Wing and Cabin in the Woods plays another character again. We've got a new actor playing the Red Skull, mm-hmm. but he's not new to the MCU because he replaced Hugo Weaving in Avengers Endgame. So, yes. you know, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're, they're all coming back and, yeah, they're adding in new voices as well. So as you mentioned, Bradley Whitford shows up as Colonel Flynn, uh, who's kind of the ant- a bit of an antagonist here. And also added in Jeffrey Wright, who plays the role of the Watcher. Mm. And I love him. He, I first saw him in Angels in America, and he's also played Basquiat in the movie Basquiat and many oh. other roles since. He was in Hunger Games as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yes, he's he's sort of watching over everything. As are we. Yes, that's the that's the uh, the Rod Serling Twilight Zone sort of narrator type. Yes, thing. exactly. Although we have seen Watchers before in the MCU. There's a little sequence in one of the Guardians movies where they fly past a bunch of people on a rock watching mm-hmm. and they're, they're treating Stan Lee to some kind of 
ride home or something. That's right. <laughs> I guess the the big call out though is probably to say that Chris Evans does not return mm-hmm. to play Steve, which is a little disappointing, but I will say Josh Keaton does a really great job. Um and I actually felt towards um in some of the scenes, I was like, oh he does sound a lot he's doing a really good job of this. I feel like he's selling this as a Chris Evans. So I'm sure that was some kind of contract thing, yeah. you know. Also not okay. returning is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Mm. And he's actually replaced by Mark, uh, Mick Wingert, who has played the voice of Iron Man in Iron Man animated productions yeah. for a while. So Makes sense. Yeah, you know, so that's going to be totally or tonally <laughs> acceptable to Marvel animated fans. Yeah. So I'm yeah. happy with that too. Anyway. Mm. This particular episode, oh, it's a cracking good one. Uh, they've used the style for the animation of an American 20th century artist, J.C. Lidecker, hmm. and that's a feature throughout the What If ongoing. So it's a little bit desaturated, a little bit glowing. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're relying heavily upon insane light sources. Yep. So let's say Captain Carter punches a Nazi and the tank that he rode it on, she'll be <laughs> illuminated by the headlights mm, of the tank, mm, mm. giving you a very dramatic World War II sort of mid-20th century mm. artwork, sort of a lot of, uh, what's the word, Kaya uh, Scuro, uh, light and shade sort of effect. And it also looks a bit like um, World War II pin-up artwork, which gets translated onto the fuselages of aircraft so there's that mm-hmm. very, very sense of being in period. It does all take place in World War II, or does, mm-hmm. or does it, because it's following Peggy Carter being the super soldier that Captain America is in the regular MCU. Now, this is yeah. a really good concept because this relies upon you knowing a lot about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe, and after umpty dum films, we do. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. an audience yeah. for this, to see these riffs. And that's extraordinary, yeah. just as there was an audience in the Marvel comics since 1977 for the mm. initial what-if concept. And mm. I followed those myself because they're a great sort of thing. There's like Marvel zombies, which do feature in this new series. Uh, you know, all that sort of thing. It's a great mm. idea, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this one. I love the first one. Hayley Atwell really leans into it to the yeah. extent that if she, if they decided to do a Captain Carter movie or a TV mm. series, I'd be there for it. No problem. Yes, yeah, she's having a lot of fun. And the fighting scenes are great. I will oh, say like the yeah. fluid style of the animation and the way they've kind of done all of the art for the fighting is so great. There's a great fighting montage of her as well. And it is nice that it's it's a contained thing. So the one episode, you can really enjoy that. I will say I really enjoyed this as well. Um I think they could have put more thought into the dialogue. I thought some of the the writing was a little bit naff, especially like what stands out is Bucky's lines. I don't know if they hate Bucky, but literally everything he said in this episode was dumb. Like I think I, like I've written down some of the choice lines at one point. He goes, oh, they're one side in short of a can. Who ordered the calamari? Who are you, the Queen of England? Like, the worst possible lines you could think of to make a character say. And so I was a little disappointed in that, but I kind of get if we're being deliberately silly, but uh, everything else was up to scratch and exceeded expectations. So I can make peace with some bad dialogue. But he had one good line. 
Oh, I don't know. He says to Captain Carter after she rescues him by, by from falling off the train that we saw in uh, Captain America First Avenger, she actually rescues him. She grabs him by the arm hmm. and says, you almost ripped my arm off. Ah, uh, yeah, that's clever. That, okay. <laughs> extra, um, extra bonus points for some of that combat. They did a, a single take, as it were, which is easier mm. to do in animation, as she battled her way through a Nazi bomber. That was a mm-hmm. great shot. That was awesome. And uh, a deep cut where they have Howard Stark say that he hooked up with actress and World War II technologist Hedy Lamarr. Mm. Look her up. I mean, not only is she like the classic pinup from that era, she has also got a lot to do with the actual war effort. And I don't mean just mm. selling bonds, which she did a lot of too. Hedy Lamar. And I thought that was nice. It was like, yeah, you guys know what you're talking about here. Yeah. And Howard Stark was perfect too. He was yeah, just as I remember him from Agent Carter and from First Avenger and so on. You know, Adds a bit of fun, like spice there. Yeah. And there's a great uh, retro echo of his son's prowess in his particular field of expertise in this. So reset everything. And it's not going to be the only time that Agent Carter appears in the What If series. I almost guarantee she's going to either have a cameo or something like that and if they when they they do a second season i reckon they'll go for more of that so yeah marvel's what if on uh disney plus first episode has dropped there'll be another one this week they're doing that so often now aren't they one a week instead of giving us a binge with them oh we've got to get us through till we get shang chi on the 3rd of september oh yes well there are more things to play on Zero G today, a little bit uh, more at least. And I think we'll have a little bit of a track here. <laughs> I talked about Schmigadoon, the genre comedy before, the musical <laughs> fantasy comedy, and we've watched all of that now. And this is the Jane Krakowski track <laughs> from Schmigadoon from Episode 5. I always, always never get my man. And she's singing this to the female lead who's stuck in an open-top convertible next to her. They're rolling down the highway with a painted backdrop behind them doing the rear projection thing. And because everybody knows they're not really driving the car, they play into that in the scene. And, like, she's jumping up on the on the hood of the car and, you know, Captain's Mask from Death Proof, <laughs> you know, doing all that sort of stuff. So imagine Jane Krakowski, the... Wonderful Jane from 30 Rock and unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt here with I Always, Always, Never Get My Man from Schmigadoon. Hi, this is Fraser Hines. I played Joe in Emmerdale Farm. You're listening to 3 Triple R FM. Oh, I also played wee Jamie McCrimmon in Doctor Who. I, uh, uh, my giddy aunt. Uh, yes, well, <clears throat> Jamie, do try and keep up in the future and uh, in the past as well. Hmm. The incredibly talented, and I'm sure mm. I'm sure uh, Jenna Maroney would agree with this. Jane Krakowski, Schmigadoon. I always, always, never get my man. All singing, all dancing here on Zero G today. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, well, okay. There's a few more other things we would like to just toddle through, or rather, gallop through with Zero G today. Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, the Final season eight returns on SBS On Demand. They've dropped a couple of episodes on there. I think the first episode was actually a kind of a double. 
<laughs> look, most other shows, when they get into their final season, they spend a lot of time tying up loose ends. Mm, yep. This one, <laughs> they, they open with so many changes that it's like they've untied all of their shoelaces all at once. Wow. Just to see what happens. And, boy, it certainly does. We've got Jake's new baby, <laughs> which, of course, Boyle is the expert in raising. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, you know, the, one of the uh, the terrible twins, as we'll call them in the precinct, has, has mm. uh, retired, but he's still oh. but he's still appearing by Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Holt is coming to terms with no longer being a beat patrolman and now being back in charge, but he's had a terrible mm-hmm. upset in his personal life. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> yeah, Rosa Diaz no longer works at the precinct. She's a, no. she's a PI. I mean, she had the wardrobe for it already. But, of course, she has to work with Jake anyway. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't have a show. Yeah, so now Jake is actually in the position of being the the straight guy on the inside of the police force, which is a horrible <laughs> place for him to be, you know. So it's like there's so many great things about this episode. Oh, and Terry, of course, is still having his midlife crisis or whatever the hell he's going through at the moment. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine, SBS On Demand, not to be missed, much mm. watched and beloved television, must see. Yeah. All right, so we also have Star Trek Lower Decks, season mm-hmm. two, which has dropped on Amazon Prime. And in this, things have changed out again. Oh, change on season twos and yeah. additional seasons. So... In this, the Mariner character is trying to cope with being on the same ship with her mum, being in mm-hmm. charge, you know, so Oof. there's difficulties there. Oof. So much so much so that they tend to wrangle out these difficulties casually during missions that are much more <laughs> frightening. We've got we've got a, a an officer called Ransom who's basically the heroic archetype in this series of the USS Cerritos, which is um, the starship that they charge with second contacts. Mm. <laughs> Not important enough for first contacts. <laughs> he gets wrapped with some strange energies, which in Star Trek terms means he immediately develops godlike powers. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so, and, and meanwhile, uh, one of the other ensigns is no longer on the ship. He's off serving aboard the USS Titan under Commander William Riker who Oof. is actually voiced by Jonathan Frakes. So oh. there are some people who are of the opinion that this Star Trek is actually more Star Trek than Star Trek Picard or Discovery. Yeah. I <laughs> do not go that far because I love both of those shows. Yeah. And it's just a hell of a ride. Lots of fun. Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 2, Amazon Prime at the moment. Now, we were talking oh. about lamenting the fact that we can't go to the cinema. Uh, some of the smaller cinemas, at least, I shouldn't say that they're smaller, they're quite roomy and comfortable. <laughs> the leader... Independent cinemas, should we say. Yeah, that's a good term. Uh, anyway, there's uh, the Lido, the Ritz, and I think the Cameo cinemas mm-hmm. as well, uh, doing streaming. Yeah. So we had a quick gander and it looks like they've got a streaming platform that you can access through their website. They've got um, films from different festivals available to stream on there as well. 
So it looks like they've really spent the time over the I mean, couple of years thinking about how they can offer films in a different way, which is really amazing because yeah. I think, I mean, I love the cinema and I love, I prefer to go to the cinema, but if there's another way you can support and see those films, that sounds great. Yeah, in, amongst their rentals I've seen, uh, and this I thought was a great idea, a Bong Joon-ho festival. We love him here at Zero G. Yeah, so like six of his films including Parasite and, you know, it's just like a great idea. That's awesome. For like, yeah. I think it was about 18 bucks, so that's pretty good value. Yeah, maybe we'll look into that. Because some of his films are harder to get, so I wonder if they're available there. So it's, mm. it's worth a look. Mm. And they had uh, Space Jam as well. I'm not a particular fan of that, that saga, but that's, mm. that's almost first run. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, awesome. lots of things to contemplate out there. You know, I mean, look. We tried to prepare you for the pandemic as best we could on Zero mm. G. We've been doing, you know, for a quarter of a century, we've been doing apocalyptic visions and bringing them to mm-hmm. Look, I, I, yeah. I know it wasn't what we, we said it would be. <laughs> you know, I mean, although I'm pretty much sure there are zombies around, um, mm. you know, and but we're, we're getting along, we're rubbing along more or less if you're having – varying degrees of difficulty, what can we say? But this is the time to lean into science fiction and fantasy as escapism. Yeah, yeah, there's so much great stuff that's being churned out. I find there's been a lot of things I've managed to put aside, you know, what else is churning in my brain and focus on, you know, a movie or TV show or something that's been particularly enjoyable and and taken my mind off, you know, fretting about everyday things at least for a couple of hours. So, And I think everybody's conscious of that. And take heart from the scientific fact that if you have been marinated in apocalyptic visions like we have, that you're actually better suited to cope. Mm. Science. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, uh, speaking of science, well, kind of, uh, Sue in Mythic Quest is the poor soul in charge of uh, community management. Sue. She's stuck in the basement at the Mythic Quest development facility. She's gone She's so chipper. She's not really. She's got <laughs> an air of desperation. There's a darkness in that one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go out with a track called Sue, and this is our Bowie track for the week. <laughs> so Sue, or In a Season of Crime, from Bowie's last album, Black Star, or at least his last self-produced album. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour and Zero G for the Triple R Radiophone coming up soon. Ooh. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.